1: is no credentials required covering sports around the mighty 518 part of the Billy up sports podcast network in association with Godzilla Media here is your host Ryan McCarthy
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Credentials Required. We are brought to you by Belly Up Sports, in association with Godzilla Media. We're going to get into episode 58 in just a moment. But before I do that, let me remind you about another partner with Godzilla Media here in the Albany area, and that is Johnstone Supply. Johnstone Supply in Troy is ready to help you as the frigid winter sets in this month. Now it's more important than ever to make sure your furnace or boiler is ready to handle the extra workload on the way this winter. Plus, what happens if it breaks down? Make sure you tell your family, friends, and more. The place to call is Johnstone Supply in Troy at 518-272-5922. The crew at Johnstone Supply will give you the advice you need to get out of that dilemma and figure out the best solution for you. If you already know you must make this change, this winter, Johnstone Supply in Troy has new high-efficient Goodman furnaces and NAV EEN boilers. Stop into 6th Avenue to learn more, or call Johnson Supply at 518 272 5922. Do us a favor, hit the counter twice for the guys and tell Tom, Kevin, James, or Rob that you heard it here on No Credentials Required. Also, before we get to the episode, just want to remind you to go to our social media pages on Twitter and Instagram at bellyupncr, facebook.com forward slash bellyup NCR, and on YouTube, look for No Credentials Required. Hit subscribe hit notifications. Got lots more videos coming in 2022. If you're on the podcast side, hit subscribe and also leave a review, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever you listen to podcasts, go ahead and review, do a five-star rating, five stars is preferred, and that way the podcast universe knows that you listen to this podcast. So let's get into episode 58. I had the opportunity to talk to Coach Jeff Reinbold. Jeff Reinbold has been everywhere in coaching. You name it. NCAA, Canadian Football League, NFL Europe. You name it, he's coached it. So without further ado, let's get into this edition of Friends with Ryan, episode 58 with Coach Jeff Reinbold.
0: You say he just a friend. You say he just a friend. Oh. Isn't it restarting?
3: This is the Friends with Ryan segment, only on No Credentials Required. All right, friends, welcome to the Friends with Ryan segment, where friends both old and new come to join me and talk about sports. And we're going to start things off today with, on episode 58. I've got with me Coach Jeff Reinbold. He has been in coaching for... A very long time, but he's a, he's a guy <laughs> who's young at heart and I'm happy to have him on no crutches required. So coach Jeff Reinbold coach, how are we doing tonight?
0: Ryan, I'm doing outstanding. I, I, when you said five decades, I said, I was just <laughs> about ready to come back and say, yeah, well, you know, we broke some child labor laws when I got started, but, <laughs> 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 but I've been really, really blessed I uh, to have an opportunity to be in coaching as long as I've been. And, and, uh, it's been an amazing journey.
3: So we were we're talking kind of, well, I guess you could say backstage
0: virtually, but where <laughs> where where are you currently? I'm in London, England. And okay. Uh which is kind of a funny deal. Um and you know, as we go through this, I think you're gonna find out. <laughs> I hope you don't have any preconceived notions that I had this thing figured out and I knew what I was doing. <laughs> because <laughs> guys you know a lot of times i'll run into young coaches and you know they're like mm-hmm. i was at one point you know and you're trying to find out you know how you can do this or how you can do that or whatever and you know and i and i tell them i say hey, hey listen first of all don't ever take me as like you don't want to do it the way i did it and they go well, <laughs> well what, what do you mean coach and i said well to be honest with you, Mao tse Tung had a five year plan. I didn't know five weeks from right now what I was doing. <laughs> and
3: it just I don't, kind any, of, I don't think any of us in OR were doing five weeks from now.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's it's crazy. I think that that you know, when you're young, mm-hmm. you know, you go through that indoctrination that you get in college and your parents and all of it. And I had I, I had wonderful parents. But I, mm. uh, you know, you know, the expectations that you got to have it figured out when you're 24 years old and you got to be on the path. And, you know, like, I didn't even know what the path was. I was just, I was just (laughs) going and, and, you know, I think now I look at my life and I've been just so blessed and so fortunate and Mm -hmm. so much to be grateful for. And it, and really it's all about in every, at every turn, It's all about people.
3: Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's go, go to uh, my questions here. So you got into coaching and who's a, who's a person that you credit with getting you into coaching? And was it a difficult transition from player to coach?
0: Well, I think, I think they're, you know, now I'm going to give you my dime store psychology on this deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, my father was, a lifetime coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he played basketball and uh, baseball in college in Mississippi mm-hmm. and then came north and began his coaching career and ended up being the winningest high school baseball coach in Indiana, oh, baseball wow. history at the time. Okay. And by sheer circumstance, or, or fate, or however you describe it, he had won mm-hmm. the 1970 Indiana State Championship, and uh, was asked to speak at a clinic in up in the what we call the region, which is up by Gary, Laporte, okay. up in there. And at that banquet, at this clinic, Charlie O'Finley, who was the owner of the Oakland A's at the time, or Kansas City A's at the time, I think, or Oakland—I can't remember which—but he owned the A's, and he was a laporte indiana guy and he was there mm-hmm. to lend support to this to this clinic in this banquet and my father presented and um apparently mr finley was pretty impressed by my dad because we were about it was about six weeks later we we're home one evening and we had five kids and dinner time in our house was sacred family time and you did not answer the phone if it rang right and, right yep. this evening my mother was up at the at the stove which was over by the phone and the phone rang and she just reacted and picked it up and answered it and she said hello and and then she looked at my dad and she said jim charlie finley's on the phone he would like to speak with you well my mother didn't my mother honest ryan my mother didn't even know who charlie finley was right
3: <laughs> She's she's, my, being pol- she's being polite. Like, this, yeah, this I mean, she was just phone like, you. this is
0: Charlie Finley. Like it could have been <laughs> Charlie Finley, the insurance agent, right? It was like, yeah. <laughs> so he, he gets this kind of funny look on his face and laughs and he grabs the phone and he had a friend, Jim Gibbons, and he and Jim mm-hmm. Gibbons used to always, as we say in ling- England, take the mickey out of one another. Yep. yep. And so he gets on the phone and he goes, ah, ha, ha, Gib, yeah, I'll call you back later after dinner, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, his face went blank, and he kind of went, whoa, whoa, whoa. "Oh, Mr. Finley, I'm sorry." And it was really sorry, <laughs> Finley. And what had happened was that his A League manager, his something had happened to his wife, and he couldn't. He, he needed to be with his wife, and he couldn't coach that season, mm-hmm. the A Ball team in Coos Bay, Oregon. And oh, wow. so, my dad, as a high school coach. Got a break and got a chance to coach the Coos Bay A's, huh. and which was a, which is the Class A lowest rung on the totem pole, minor mm-hmm. league team for the Oakland A's, and he parlayed that into thirty some years in professional baseball. Oh wow! Yeah, so wow, I kind of grew up in a coaching family, dugout mm-hmm. to dugout, and then I went on to college and. You know, I went to the University of Maine to play both baseball and football Okay. and was probably a better baseball player, probably, if I think back on it now. But my heart was football. I loved football. I, I From the mm-hmm. first time I was introduced to the game, I loved it. And so after my freshman year, I called my dad and I said, Dad, I, I think I want to give up baseball. And I think it hurt him a little bit. Right. Because he mm-hmm. was a baseball guy. Yeah. But I remember going, I've been in, and Maine had a great baseball team. They'd just been to the college world series the year before. And, mm-hmm. and I was playing as a freshman and I, but I was, you know, watching the guys go out to spring football mm-hmm. and I, I identified with the football guys. I wasn't a baseball guy, right. I right. played baseball, but I wasn't a baseball guy mm-hmm. anyway. So I just, it, it just was in my heart. I couldn't, I couldn't dedicate I I, like I was always looking over at the football field right and Mm -hmm. I was and so he kind of you know he he was my father was a wonderful man and he never said no I I don't want you to stop playing or but I knew it hurt him right yeah and so I played my college career I played for a tremendous guy I mean one of the like I said it's always been about people in my life that have pointed me in the right direction and i played mm-hmm. for a guy named jack bicknell
3: yeah which, he coached at uh boston it was right before he went to boston college right
0: yeah and he had Doug yeah. flutie at boston college then he mm-hmm. went on and coached yep. in pro football and all that stuff and jack is jack was a wonderful person he's a great football coach but he's a way better guy mm-hmm. and my senior year and i was not ryan a particularly well uh I don't know what I was, but I, I, you know, I was like like one of those kids that didn't think it was going to ever end. Right. Mm -hmm. And he pulled me into his office. I was walking by his office one day late in my senior year, my senior season. And he, he said, Jeffrey, get in here. And there's only two people that have ever called me Jeffrey. My mother, (laughs) when she was mad at me and Jack, when he was mad at me, and and I'm thinking, Oh boy, what did I do now? Did I miss class this week or what did I do? And he said, what are you gonna do when this is over? Mm-hmm. And Ryan, I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, huh? And and he goes, you know, this is gonna end in six weeks. You're done. This is you're not gonna play professional football. Mm-hmm. And I was heartbroken. I mean, mm-hmm. I was heartbroken. And I was like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that this was gonna end, right? Because mm-hmm. You know, there was always another game. There was always another league. There was always the next step. It was always that. And he said to me at that point, he said, I think you should coach. I think you would be a good coach. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And I went home and I called my dad and I said, dad, I think I know what I want (laughs) to do. And I was like, he says, well, that's a good idea. It's like you've been in college for five years. And I I, I said, I think I want to coach. And Ryan, Mm -hmm. there was dead silence on the phone. Like, no, it it might've, it might've been five seconds, but it felt like 30 minutes. Right. Yeah. Like he, he didn't say a thing. Then all of a sudden he said, now, son, I want you to understand there's no money in it. There's no security. It's Mm -hmm. hard on families. Yeah. It's, I mean, he went through everything that was wrong with the profession, right? Or hard about the profession. But Mm -hmm. what he was doing, I learned that, you know, looking back on it now, what he was doing was being a good father because Mm -hmm. the truth about coaching is you got to be all in. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not a profession. And I don't think any profession is really, but it's not a profession particularly that you can be kind of halfway in. It, it, Mm It really needs all of you. And then, you know, I went back and I saw Jack and I said, you know, coach, I, I I'd i like to try. And he said, mm-hmm. well, I'm this is now he's gotten getting ready to leave to go to Boston College. He said, I'm going to go to the Boston College and I could take you as a graduate assistant, but I don't think that's good for you. Mm-hmm. He kind of he kind of took me, reached on his bookshelf and pulled his book over and threw it at me across the desk. <laughs> and, I, and he said, that's the college book of athletic blue book of college athletics. He said, it's got the name and address of every head football coach in America. You need to find yourself a job and go out and create. He said, this is a contact oriented business and you need to get away from us because you can always come home. But you need to create your own contacts and your own Mm -hmm. thing. So I (laughs) I hand wrote like 75 letters. And I'm not kidding you, Ryan. 75. And it got wow. to the point, it got to the point where I could pick them up out of my mailbox and know that they were no letters just by how much they weighed, right? Because they were always <laughs> it was always one page and it was always the same thing. We appreciate your interest in the program at Virginia Tech. Uh, however, at this time we did not have any openings. We'll keep your letter on file. I can, I I mean, I read Mm. so many of them. It was all the same letter, right? (laughs) Yeah, man,
3: (laughs) it never ends. (laughs) And
0: and then like after like 50, some 60, some nos, I get a letter back from New Mexico state and, uh, a guy named Gil Krieger. And I've never met the man Mm -hmm. to say, thank you. Sent me the same letter, the same form letter. Mm -hmm. But he had written over the top of it, Jeff, my.
2: Hey, I get it. I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonics therapy. It's not another drug. It's an advanced therapy that has proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonics therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com.
0: It's wintertime. Offensive coordinator just took the Western Montana college job. He may need assistance. And he wrote uh, Don Christensen's number on the, mm-hmm. on the page. Okay. So I, so I call, and now, now this is Western Montana. This isn't the university or Montana state. This is Western <laughs> Montana. And I get in the blue book and I dig through the blue book and I, and it's an NAI school that has 800 students. In it. So, oh, wow. So, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, well, it's it's some right? Yeah. And, and I call him, and we talk, and obviously they don't have the money to fly in for an interview or anything like that. So
2: mm-hmm. he
0: says, uh, "You know, to be honest with you, uh, an ex quarterback of the school uh, has wants to come be a GA, and we're always going to take care of our alumni first. So,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: thanks, but no thanks. So now I've been mm-hmm. through all these no's, and I got. I got no other, like I took the LSAT because my mom always said, you should go be a lawyer. And I didn't want to do that. And (laughs) the only other alternative I had, I was actually on my way to joining the Peace Corps and going to work in Africa. Oh my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And then he called me back about three weeks later and that guy's wife had gotten pregnant. And he said, he said, coach, I can't take the job because I can't, you know, give up my coaching, coaching and teaching job to come mm-hmm. for two. I, the salary was $2,500 a year. <laughs> oh gosh. A, and so that's how I got started. That's, I mean, it's just dumb luck. My
3: goodness. It, 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 I, I did watch last week's uh, Rob Peterson show. You didn't you did mention it, You just kind of fall into things. It's just, it's an interesting way to fall into fall into coaching. Man, that's crazy. Don't mind. Like my, I said, don't, mind like my, I don't said, mind my cat. He's just he's just being he's just being
0: <laughs> no, no worries. Like I said, I mean it it is for a kid who has no more ability, no more smarts, no more. There's nothing unique about me, nothing special, nothing I have no gifts. I've just been so fortunate along the way to run into such amazing people.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: So you go to college, you go into college coaching and Mm -hmm. you spend time with five NCAA teams, but you get the opportunity to coach in the CFL. Who was the coach that approached you about going, jumping up to Canada?
0: Okay. It's another one of those kind of stories. (laughs) When, when I was at the university of Montana as a young coach, it was my first full-time job. And, um, Our head coach Larry Donovan at Montana had gone up and in the CFL <clears throat> they have small staffs and this was typical of the times they would bring American college coaches up to assist during training camp and that mm-hmm. way they could you know learn where the players were in the United States and then they would also get coaches during camp and and then Larry came back and he had met a young defensive back coach, he, uh, he was actually a defensive coordinator named Greg Newhouse. And mm-hmm. he, he brought Greg down to speak at a clinic that we put on at the University of Montana. Okay. And Greg and I became we just hit it off. We were kind of like two peas in a pot. Yeah. And later on Greg, I was at I was coaching at Rocky Mountain College as the head coach and Greg called me and gotten he got in the defensive coordinator job at New Mexico. And he said, Mm -hmm. would you come and work with me at New Mexico? So I went to New Mexico for a year. And during that time, that was when um, the old USFL started. Right. And so Greg was our defensive coordinator. The BC lion job opened in the CFL and the, the head coach of the lions tried to get Greg to come back up to Canada and so during during that process they had a conversation apparently and that the head coach Bob Obilovich said to Greg hey I gotta hire I'm also gonna have to hire a special teams guy and I'm looking for a young guy that can coach another position you know that'll come cheap right Mm -hmm. and so Greg mentioned me and Ob called me Bob called me and he said i've got this job open are you interested and i said oh coach yeah i'm really i'd love to coach in canada in professional football and i was like mm-hmm. 29 i think at the time and he said have you ever coached special teams <laughs> 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 and i lied straight to him and said yeah and <laughs> i hadn't coached a down of special teams now, I, I'm Oh i'm gosh you, not a down but i've had this i've had this guardian angel in my career the whole time and his name is mm-hmm. Dick Vermeil. and ah. so I called coach Vermeil, and I said coach I think I screwed up and he's like what'd you do and he <laughs> said, I, I said, I, said I, I told this guy coach special teams and and I think he's going to offer me the job and coach said okay here's what you do call Lynn Stiles, who was with the 49ers at the time, and Lynn had been a special teams coach with Coach Vermeil. He said, and pick his brain, and then when you go in for the interview, just tell him everything that Lynn tells you. (laughs) So so Lynn Stiles helps me prepare, and I go and I get the job, and that's how it started in pro football.
3: That's crazy. That's crazy. So you spent – bunch of, you, you bounce around a bunch of teams but you wound up being having one of the most unique experiences of being mm-hmm. a coach that was part of the cfl expansion effort into the united states can you tell us what that experience was in that <laughs> one year in las in las vegas with the las vegas posse
0: i am gonna when i'm done coaching i'm gonna write a book and at <laughs> least at least half of the book is gonna be maybe the whole book will be about las vegas but oh my it'll gosh be that experience because what had happened so people get a kind of a historical context
2: what mm-hmm. had
0: happened was the cfl had gone through a really really difficult time financially
2: and was mm-hmm. really
0: on its on its last legs on its deathbed. Yep. and pat boland who is the owner of the was the owner of the broncos at that time is mm-hmm. an edmonton alberta native Oh, wow. And okay. He was close with Hugh Campbell, who was the general manager of the Eskimos and had been a great head coach for the Eskimos when they mm-hmm. won five straight Grey Cups. Yep. They engineered a deal where the National Football League would give each Canadian franchise, I think at that time it was like a million dollars, yep. uh, if the CFL would open our free. The, like your option year in, the, in a CFL contract, let's say you play, if I put you under contract for two in an option, the mm-hmm. third, that option year, it's the club's option. But what the NFL wanted was the rights to any CFL player in his option year without restriction, right? Because okay. mm-hmm. there was an agreement between the two leagues that they wouldn't take players under contract mm-hmm. from one another. Well... <clears throat> that 500 or million dollars that they gave all the franchise kept the league alive and then it also they needed to find a new revenue stream so mm-hmm. what they did was they sold franchises into the United States because the NFL was not going to expand and there were a number of rich guys but they weren't rich enough for the for you know the NFL they didn't have right. enough money to buy a franchise in the NFL mm-hmm. and there were none for sale at, at the time anyway. So Sacramento came into the league. Baltimore came into the league. Birmingham came into the league. Shreveport Mm -hmm. came into the league. uh, San Antonio came into the league and Las Vegas came into the league. Okay. So a friend of mine calls me and he says, I'm going to take a job in Las Vegas with this team called the posse. Mm -hmm. And I said, Oh, that's great, man. That's awesome. And he goes, how'd you like to come? And I thought, hmm, Vegas? Hmm. Not... not that. There you go. Alright, All right. so <laughs> then I said, who's going to be the head coach? And he said, Ron Meyer. And I went... It's SMU? I'm in. I said, I'm <laughs> in. Right? Because as a kid, you know, like as I was leaving college, SMU was just becoming the Pony Express, yep. right? Dickerson mm-hmm. and James, Jerry yep. Ball. I mean, they were like, they were unbelievable. Yep. And Meyer was such a, such a, you know, like charismatic figure, right? Yep. And the amazing thing is that Ron had actually been a high school coach at our arch rival high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he, he would, (laughs) he played at Purdue. He's from Mm -hmm. Ohio. He played at Purdue. Okay. And then became a high school coach at, at Penn high school in, you know, just outside of South Bend and Penn and clay were my high school were the bitter rivals. Right.
3: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: So I knew of this guy, right. And his slick back hair. And he was the guy that brought the Brought the uh, snow machine on the field, the snow blower on the field to clear a place so they could kick a kick a field goal in the playoffs. Yep. In the end, I mean, mm-hmm. like, and I said, I got it. I got to work with this guy. And <laughs> I went down there, and Ryan, he was the best. I mean, he was like, a, <laughs> he was awesome, like mm-hmm. awesome. And I was the youngest guy on the staff, and so he called me the kid. So he go, Hey, kid. And he, Ron had a big Cadillac, <laughs> and so he had. A, he used to say to me, "He goes, kid, you should never drive if you can be driven." And so I was his driver, right? <laughs> so Ryan, he would come by my office, and he go, "Kid, let's go." I said, "Coach, I got a scouting report." Kid, let's go, and I wherever we, so. The, like the first goofy experience I have with him is he comes into my office and he goes, kid, let's go. I said, where are we going to He goes, I'm going to show you our practice facility. Well, I'd only been in Vegas for like three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen anything other than the strip and the office. Okay. Because the office was on Flamingo Road right off the strip. And mm-hmm. so he drives down the street. I'm driving down the strip and taking directions the whole way right left you know like so we get to the Riviera Hotel which is right on the strip and he goes pull in kid so I pull in and he goes go around back and I go around the back of the Riviera Hotel and there's this big parking lot like like at a stadium big Mm -hmm. asphalt parking lot with all the yellow lines on it you know and he goes what do you think kid and I go Of what he goes, (laughs) that's our practice facility. And I go, there's no there's no goalposts, there's no grass. He goes, Kid, this is Vegas. Things happen in Vegas, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) So I go, What? And he goes, So then he tells me what they and honest to God they did that. This is so goofy. But in the next two weeks, they took a bunch of two by eights and they basically built like the world's biggest sandbox and they hmm. put black dirt down. Then they hmm. laid sod over the top of it, brought in some temporary bleachers. And that's where we would practice during training camp. Cause the Riviera became our team hotel, right? So okay. our guys are walk. our guys are going down the elevators to go out <laughs> to practice with their helmets and shoulder pads on. And there's, you know, mom and pop Smith from, paducah kentucky going down to play the slots on the same (laughs) it was bizarre like it was like completely mad and if you went to the if you went to the to the casino they would Mm -hmm. give you a chit for a for like a gin and tonic or something and you could go Mm -hmm. out and watch us practice wow in the like in the middle of the day in las vegas in july and it's like 113 oh. outside oh. But, but it was just like that's that's what life was like in in vegas and at that time i was riding a motorcycle um so and that was my only form of con or transportation so i'm driving mm. this motorcycle and driving ron's cadillac and i'll tell you one more ron meyer story because this one's like and i swear this is true we practiced we our offices were at on flamingo road and if you know vegas at all Mm -hmm. flamingo extends a long way and then the university of nevada las vegas football field is out of the town it's not in town it's outside the old field they played at at that time okay they play they play in the raiders facility now but Mm -hmm. so that's where we practiced we had fields out there and that's where we practiced so it would take you 25 minutes to get out to practice. Well, one day we're getting ready, you know, preparing to go to practice, doing our practice scripts and all that stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're all in our coaching gear and Ron, Ron walks in my office and he goes, let's go kid. And I said, coach, <laughs> um, I'm just about, let me get my practice. script. Come on, kid. We got to go. So I gather up my stuff and we get in the car and I'm driving him out to practice. And on Flamingo Road, there's a casino, kind of a local casino called Samstown, mm-hmm. And we're driving past Sam's Town, and he goes, Kit, pull in. And I go, Ron, don't we got to go to practice? He's, I said, Kit, pull in. So I pull in, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and he goes, I feel lucky, kid. And I'm like, Ron. <laughs> what about practice? And he goes, "Come on!" And I swear it, I Ryan, I swear it, I swear this is true. We go into the casino, and Ron loved craps. I mean, he loved mm-hmm. craps. So we get to the crap table, and here are all these people on holiday or whatever they're doing, right, mm-hmm. at the crap table, and. Two guys in shorts and coaching shoes <laughs> at the other end of the crap table. Oh and no! Starts, and he starts throwing dice and and winning. Oh right? my! And winning. And so in Vegas, when when anybody gets hot on the table, like people mm-hmm. will come to the table and kind of watch, right? Yeah. And so Ron, he used to say things like he told me this is one of the th- Other things he told me he goes, kid.
2: Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22.
0: <laughs> Never just show up when you can make an appearance. And so <laughs> like, so he had this big personality and he's got this hair slicked back and he's all mm-hmm. suntanned and he's in his coaching gear and he's rolling and winning and rolling and winning and the chips are starting to pile up. Right. Oh my but, <clears throat> I'm looking at my watch and it's pra- now we're late for practice. Right? Oh my gosh. And I said, coach, you know, it's five, we're five minutes late already. We still got to dr- get to, the-. he looked at me and he goes, Kit, what do they do for the first 15 minutes of practice? What's on your practice schedule? And I said, well, stretch. And he goes, yeah. do you think we need to be there for stretch? If they can't stretch by themselves, then we got the wrong guys and he <laughs> took the dice and threw another and threw another. And then finally he started to crap out. Yeah. And He gathered all his chips in, gave them to me. I went to the casino and he got his, I took his money back to him. We got in mm-hmm. the car, drove to practice and Ryan, he went on the practice field as if absolutely nothing had happened. He just went <laughs> Immediately into coaching mode, and it's like I'm standing there completely stupefied.
3: Oh my gosh! Uh,
0: But he was something.
3: Now, before I go on to my next question, Las Vegas has a quarterback who who, they they they, they they grab a quarterback who later becomes the all time leader in passing, all time leader in touchdowns in the CFL, passing touchdowns. Anthony Calvillo. Now. How do you feel as a coach you're coming back to Montreal Alouettes as a special teams coordinator he joined the team a few weeks ago as a quarterbacks coach what's a, I, I mean what's it going to be like the first day you walk in and there's AC you just and you, what's what's it going to be like
0: well i tell you it, it, this is how crazy life is right mm-hmm. i was there in Las Vegas on the staff when we got AC from Utah state Right. Yep. And he mm-hmm. was a skinny kid out of L.A. that weighed probably 185, 190 pounds, 6'1". And he had a, kind of like a whip of an arm. And he got the ever-living dog stew knocked out of him that year. I oh. mean, he got pummeled, right? Mm-hmm. We weren't very good. And we got worse as the team started to disintegrate and ownership mm-hmm. disintegrated. And I thought, frankly, that he'd never recover from it. And then, hmm. as fate would have it, in 2012, I went to Montreal as the defensive coordinator for hmm. Anthony's last year in profile. Oh, wow. Football. So oh, I wow. saw his first season and his last <laughs> season. And wow. now we're going to get a chance to coach together. I'm really looking forward to it because he really, really was not only a great player, he was great for the game in Canada. He mm-hmm. he really was tremendous with the fans, tremendous with the media, all of it. He was a professional in every, in every, you know, way you could define that word.
3: If uh, I understand he's a, he's a, he's has better man off the field. Good, great husband, great father, just yep. an absolutely, absolutely great, great guy all around.
0: Yeah. He's no question about it. And then, you know, we've got a young quarterback, Vernon Adams, who uh, mm-hmm. played at Oregon, and is really a talented young guy. We're kind of this new wave of quarterback got great feet, can do a million things with it. You know, outside the pocket, and I think Anthony's going to be really good for him because Anthony's got mm-hmm. such a great knowledge of the game after throwing for all those yards. I mean, he's throwing for not yards, he's throwing for miles,
3: miles, yeah crazy 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 so let's go transition to my next set of questions you, you keep going around the the, the cfl and then you, you get heavily involved in nfl europe and as mm-hmm. a jack of all trades you do everything from being an assistant to being a head coach and then you eventually become senior manager of international player development did mm-hmm. you consider yourself kind of a football missionary in order to try to win fans to the football football fans basically a, a, a new audience and and
0: in Europe. Well, I, I tell you, there's two things about that. You know, you said did did a little bit of everything. I think Jack, Jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah. My, well, my dad told me one time, he says, God, it does a little bit of everything means he probably can't do much of anything. right? So, <laughs> and maybe that was the case, but to be honest with you, like I still, the reason I come over and do this mm-hmm. broadcasting in the UK Is there's nothing that I enjoy more than seeing a young player get better. the The next thing that about this business that makes my heart beat is watching people fall in love with the game that I fell in love with as a kid. Mm -hmm. And if I can help facilitate that in some way, whether it's an international player program, it's you know like. A f- football missionary. Yeah. That's probably the way to say it, you know, mm-hmm. because this game, Ryan, this game for a kid from South Bend, Indiana who like I first fell in love with football in 1966 is the first game. I can remember Michigan state against Notre Dame, the 10, 10 mm-hmm. tie. Yep. And we lived so close to Notre Dame stadium that when notre dame would score a touchdown you could hear the crowd and the band would play and wow so we would play as kids in our front yard when notre dame was playing and pretend mm. that the band and the crowd was playing was cheering for us you hmm. know and so yeah. the game has been so good to me and my family and everybody that i've that i know that mm. you know y- y- you really would like to see everybody have that experience with football.
3: Mm-hmm. And that's why you, you're, you're, you're in, you're doing your thing in the UK with sky sports. You, you've been to NFL, you're, you're in NFL Europe for a long time. That's yeah. I, I totally get it in terms of the sport. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big football guy. I'm also a big hockey guy. Mm-hmm dip a little bit in the rugby too so you know i, I played rugby for for uh, for uh, for a hot minute back in 2011 but um but yeah i could definitely see uh, you, you want to see others fall in love with the game that you enjoy and i could i could definitely see that and that's why that's why you went over there that's you
0: know, well you it's know uh, you know I, the one of the things that's that was really the coolest a couple of the coolest things that i've ever been able to be a part of was when Tony Allen was my boss in the NFL. And mm-hmm. the NFL put together a there was a tournament at the Super Bowl. It was called the Global Junior Championships. And they mm-hmm. brought teams from Canada, the United States, Panama, Mexico, wow. Japan, and they brought a European team. And mm-hmm. Tony asked me to coach on the European team. Okay. And we went there a couple years. And played all those other teams. And one of the kids that we had off that team was a a big, skinny German offensive tackle that we got out of the swimming pool. He was a swimmer. And we Hmm. convinced him to try football. Okay. And that kid ended up protecting Tom Brady in three Super Bowls and won two Super Bowl rings. His oh, name. Wow. His name was Sebastian Vollmer, and okay. Sebastian is now, yep. uh, you know, a hugely successful business guy and author, and and so to see that kind of experience, to watch mm-hmm. that kid go from being just this wide-eyed, skinny six-six kid that you know didn't know if a football had air or feathers in it to become an <laughs> NFL player, man, that was a really, really beautiful thing.
3: That's cool. That's really, really cool. All right, so I'm going to transition into my next question. After NFL Europe, you, you kind of wandered throughout the NCAA again with Louisiana mm-hmm. Tech, Hawaii, SMU, and you were part of the coaching staff during really two really special seasons, uh, mm-hmm. Hawaii Sugar Bowl appearance in uh, 2008 and then the next year. SMU's first bowl win in 25 years yep. what was it like to be a, a coach uh, a, what was it like to be part of both coaching staffs during
0: that seat those those two seasons well I, I think the the highlight of both those two seasons was having the opportunity to work for June Jones yep. and I don't know if you know June or know of June but June yep. Jones is, is really a unique person and yes
3: absolutely. one yeah. of
0: the really good guys in our business Mm-hmm. And he had gone, June. June's story, he had played high school football in Portland, went to the University of Oregon, and in that same recruiting class, there was another quarterback in ta- in, on campus named Dan Fouts. Well, yep. June figured out pretty fast that he wasn't going to play very much at the University of Oregon. So he <laughs> left and went to the University of Hawaii, where his high okay. school his high school best friend had gone to play basketball. Hmm. So he plays football at Hawaii for three years and really doesn't play a lot, but um, they have a coaching change and they, they go from a passing offense to the wishbone and Mm -hmm. June ain't a wishbone quarterback. So (laughs) he, he leaves and goes back home to Portland and Mouse Davis was the head coach at Portland State at the time and he heard June was in town mm-hmm. and he tried to get June to come out at Portland State June said no nah, I'm done with football I'm just going to go into the business world with my dad and but Mouse wouldn't Mouse being Mouse wouldn't say no and <laughs> it wouldn't take no for an answer and and uh, he ended up this is crazy but he ended up getting June a fifth year before fifth year was available. He actually broke the rules to get June. Oh, wow. (laughs) Play quarterback. And and June ended up going and making the Falcons as a free agent and then got Mm -hmm. into coaching, but he never lost his love for the university of Hawaii. Hmm. So he's on this charger staff with Kevin Gilbride. Gilbride gets fired. They make June the head coach. Yep. And the Hawaii job opens and June leaves the chargers to go back to Hawaii. Because okay. the program was in such disarray, hmm. he he proceeds to create the biggest turnaround in college football history. Uh, they go from zero and eleven to they beat Oregon State in a bowl game the next year. Yep, um, and has a great run at Hawaii, and culminates that in the twelve and zero Sugar Bowl season that we had in two thousand seven, mm-hmm. and then because of his associate this this is how the world works this is so important that kids hear these kind of stories because it this is why i say it's so important how you treat people because Mm -hmm. not and you don't treat people for this reason but you treat people and if you treat people correctly and well it it always brings something back good right right it's just that karmic Mm -hmm. the karmic law right so anyway june's the head coach in atlanta and they trade for a over the hill beat up eric dickerson Mm -hmm. and eric comes to training camp the next year and june's the head coach and they're gonna cut him right Mm -hmm. he's not he's done great this is a hall of fame player now right yeah so june calls dick in and he says eric we're gonna cut you tomorrow if you want, you can retire and go out with your head held up high, mm-hmm. right? And then right. we'll 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 make it a retirement. We won't we won't cut you. Right. Eric never forgot that being treated that way. And so after we won the or after we beat Washington and we're going to the Sugar Bowl, Eric called June and he said, "June, would you come back and save SMU?" Mm-hmm. because eric has always been loved smu and yep. that's how we ended up all going to smu and then we turned that around the second year we beat colin kaepernick and the university of nevada in the hawaii bowl mm-hmm. so, amazingly yeah and, and uh so yeah that experience working for Jim jones was uh, i i that was eight years of the best time of my life in coaching.
3: Is is June is June Jones as good as as, as good a man off the field as he on on the field Is he I mean is, is he is he a great great guy better. Better better. Okay.
0: And you know what there are a lot of there are a lot of guys in this business that you know can sell ice to Eskimos, right? There, mm-hmm. there are a lot of guys. There are a lot of guys that are full of it. Right Yep, There are very few guys that what they do and what they say are the same things. And that's June Jones.
3: All right. So I got three more questions for your coach, and then yep. I'll uh, let you retire to your, to your abode in, in UK. Uh, so following the 2011 season at SMU, mm-hmm. you, you returned to the CFL as a defensive coordinator for Montreal, as you kind of mentioned, but I'll but throughout your career, you've, You've worn a lot of hats, mm-hmm. yeah, but you've been primarily been a special teams coordinator. You kind of dove into that, but we kind of we kind of know what an offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator does. But could you take the audience through the responsibility of what a special teams coach does?
0: Well, you know, when again, same thing. When I when I speak at clinics, um, mm-hmm. I, I you know, a, a lot of times the special teams guy particularly in places where, where they don't really understand football will be a guy that that's just kind of a fill in job. You know, they kind of like give Mm -hmm. it to who it, nobody wants to do it. Right. Because, you know, we always say this as a group, you know, when I talk to our guys, our kids, our players, I said, if you want credit, go to the bank because you ain't going to get any credit for what you do here. It's just not (laughs) done work that way. Right. And so, it's a, it's a thankless job in a lot of ways. But to me, it's the best job on the, it's the best coaching job on the staff, right? Okay. Because you have an opportunity as a special teams guy to work with every player on the football team. You're the only one that gets mm-hmm. a chance to do that other than the head coach. The defensive coordinator, he can work with every defensive kid, but he doesn't work with the offensive guys. The mm-hmm. offensive coordinator the same. But the special teams coach, he works with every position group, every player. And so it really gives you an opportunity to create a relationship throughout the football program and throughout the organization. And what you what you see as you get up into higher levels of football is it's really a critical position because Mm -hmm. you are. Going to reinforce, and this is one of the things I say to young special teams coaches when I do do speaking engagements is you have to understand how important your job is in relation to the success of the football team because you are the one other than the head coach you 're the only one that will stand in front of the entire team, mm-hmm. and your message has to be exactly dovetailed off of the head coach's message right, and so it is a lot of hats. It's part lion tamer, part psychiatrist, part psychologist, part disciplinarian, part. Because nobody, no kid, and I say this to, I say this again when I when I do speaking is, is that, you know, I've been in this on a professional level for thirty years. One guy hand me his football card. And on it, it says right guard on the punt team. It's going to say, you know, Jimmy Jones linebacker or Jimmy Jones tight end or what they don't see themselves at that. That's not their identity. They see themselves as every down players, but somehow you've got to get that kid to identify with that job and do it at a high level so that, the guy who's playing the position he wants to play has a better chance to succeed. Now that's contraindicated for a human being. That's the first place where it's different. And then second of all, you've got to say to him, this job that you have to do, nobody's mm-hmm. going to ever say thank you for it. You're mm-hmm. never going to get your name in the paper unless you screw it up. Right. And it's, it's a highly dangerous job because you're talking about mm. collisions with that are sometimes 40 or 60 yards of running and then there's a collision yeah you know if you're playing right guard and you're hitting the guy that's the the defensive tackle across from you he's maybe a yard away from you if I'm mm-hmm. going to break up the wedge I got to run 60 yards full speed into a guy that's bigger than me running 40 yards at me full speed. Now, I'm not a physics guy, but that's not, there's not a lot of future in that. No, so, no. So it, it's a really, really unique position on the staff. And mm-hmm. it's something that I frankly love. I, I, I truly enjoy it.
3: Uh, I got my second to last question here, it says, in addition with, to your special coach team's coach duties in the c f l you're also an n f l analyst with sky sports u k mm-hmm. who approached you about that role and i know you, you say you, you kind of fall you, you, you over your career you' have kind of and I say fall into things but how did you get involved with sky sports and to be an n f l analyst
0: all right just not just another one of those deals is it <laughs> like um i had got i was head coach in Winnipeg i had gotten fired um Mm. in the middle of the season towards the end of the season and um some of the media guys in canada said asked me they said would you be interested in doing some color commentating on some games and then uh one of the there were two sports channels in at that time in in canada tsn and and uh god i can't remember what the other one was is it roger sportsnet Yeah, Sportsnet and Sportsnet approached me about doing a thing called NFL News and Notes, which was like a 15 minute once a week show. Okay, and I did it. And, you know, I thought it was fun and, you know, but I didn't take it. I mean, it wasn't like I thought this is going to be my career. (laughs) So I leave. Go to NFL Europe. And at that time the NFL Europe games were broadcast on Fox Mm -hmm. and Fox owned sky and Fox would use the NFL Europe games as a proving ground for young analysts. Mm -hmm. Aikman was Aikman started there. Baldinger started there. Moose Johnson started there. Darren Woodson Mm -hmm. started there. All those guys. Yeah. And so, I think it was Woodson was supposed to come over and do a game. Something happened. He couldn't make it. Now this is before internet and everything else. Right. So mm-hmm. um, it was like Friday and when the game was on the weekend and you know, you, you got work visas, you got to get done and travel and all kinds of stuff. So they couldn't mm-hmm. get anybody in and the Alistair Kirkwood, who was the president of NFL Europe at the time? Walked down the office to my office, knocked on the door, and he said, uh, stuck his head in the door, and he goes, "Didn't you do some TV when you were in Canada?" I said, "Yeah, I did a little bit." He <laughs> said, "Would you do me a favor? Would you sit in this weekend and do color on the NFL Europe broadcast for Sky?" Oh wow! I said, yeah, I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do it." And and okay, you know, Ryan, I prepared, but it wasn't like I was. Oh my God, this is my audition. This is my chance. Right? One of those deals. <laughs>
3: I'm just, so I'm just filling. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm a gap filler, basically.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's what I thought. I'm a placeholder <laughs> yeah. and have fun with it, and hopefully yeah. somebody will enjoy watching the game, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So little did I know that one of the big wigs from Fox was in town. One of Rupert Murdoch's guys was in town that weekend mm-hmm. in London, and he was in his hotel room and he was just channel surfing and looking at all of the programming to get a feel for what you know the program. Mm-hmm. So they had a and I didn't know this story till about six years later, but they had a production meeting post-production meeting on Monday, which I wasn't a part of just the mm-hmm. the producing people, the big shots, the people that know what they're doing. And right. um, he was going around a room and, you know, he'd say, okay, I thought the premiership, we need to do this, 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 and this and netball and all the sports. Right. And he gets to American football and he goes, he looks at the producer and he goes, who was that blonde haired guy you had on? <laughs> and my, <laughs> my producer went Simon Peter on me. He goes, hey, he was just a fill in, you know, because he thought, the, you know, he thought he was going to get his tail jumped. Right. Yeah. He, goes, he was just a fill in. You know, he just I promise you that it just one time that's you'll, you'll never see him again. <laughs> and, the guy goes, and the guy goes, "Nah, I kind of like him. Bring him back okay and that's how i got started wow i never applied for the job i i've never i have no training at it i have nothing nothing
3: you didn't go to school for television production you're just like Not, hey nothing here. right
0: <laughs> you know how much i know about a tv turning it on and turning it off that's,
3: yeah. I know. <laughs> that's great all right and one last question i'm and and coach, I'm I'm very appreciative and great and that you take some time to talk to this little podcast out in Saratoga, New York. Nah, uh, to spend that. some time with me. I appreciate I do appreciate it. So the last question, you kind of dove into it a little bit a couple minutes ago, but I I, I kind of want to ask you a question for any football player who's listening, if they're in college, if they're in high school, and they're thinking about going to coaching, what are some words of wisdom or advice you can provide from your many, many
0: years of coaching experience? I will tell I would say this the first thing I would say and this was said to me by Dick Vermeil and it was repeated to every coach that ever coached for coach vermeil it was mm-hmm. in his coaching manual that he would hand out every year before you went to training camp mm-hmm. and it's the very essence of what coaching really is in my mind. And he and he said this players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care.
3: Hmm. And I can hear I can hear his voice saying yeah. that too and when you that say that.
0: <laughs> so true. In this day and age particularly relational coaching is the most important thing. For so many young players, mm-hmm. men and women in every sport, the relationship that they have with their coach, it will be the, one of the most significant relationships they have in their life. And to, 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 it, to illustrate that, I just did my podcast tonight, and I brought four guests on the show. Nick Ferguson played for me three different places. Ryan Mouton, I recruited out of the Texas to come to the University of Hawaii. Um, Kendall Gammon was a nine-year NFL vet when I met him and worked with him in training camp in the National Football League. And mm-hmm. Jesse Sapolo and I worked hand-in-hand with young players in American Samoa. Every one of those guys knows – and I know that no matter what they needed, or no matter what they, how I, if there was anything I could do to help them, all they had to do was let me know. Mm-hmm. And I know the exact same thing from them. Those relationships are the most significant relationships in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. My father's passed now. My relationship with Coach Ramil is as close as the, relationship i have with my father jack Mm -hmm. mcnell all of the guys that who's who touched my life every player that i coach i mean it's it's so much bigger than wearing a whistle
1: Mm -hmm.
3: okay all right well coach i want to thank you again for being on the no credentials required podcast let the this is your time to plug your stuff Tell the people where you are in social media. Tell them about your podcast. The floor is yours, right, sir?
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm easy to find. If I'm uh, Jeff underscore Reinbold on Twitter, Uh, we have Mm -hmm. a podcast called Coffee with Coach. Um, You can find that on Twitter apple all that stuff i mean i don't know all the yep. platforms it's on because i'm not a, i don't do that <laughs> it, stuff um, it's
3: on it's on all of them let's put let's let's just say that <laughs> you can
0: catch me on you can catch me on inter- instagram um mm-hmm. obviously you know um and i say that i, I i'm just like I, I coach for the montreal alouettes if you want to get a hold of me um my email address is j-r-e-i-n-e-b-o-l-d at hotmail.com i will <laughs> i will answer it um i just want to uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on your show and and understand that that uh you know you're doing great work thank great you. work not good thank work. you great work
3: thank you coach i really do appreciate that and with that well this is the end of the friends with ryan segment we'll be back in just a second Again, I want to thank Coach Jeff Reinbold. Check out his Twitter. It's at Jeff underscore Reinbold and his podcast Coffee with Coach Reinbold. It's a pretty pretty good podcast. I got a chance to uh, listen to a couple of episodes before I checked in and did the interview with him. And he has a great podcast, has great guests every single episode. So again, I want to thank you for listening to No Credentials Required. I've got a pretty cool announcement. This show is actually going to be broadcasting every week on Tiki Live. It's a new venture, a new media venture from a a crypto company called FoxD, F-O-X-D like dog. And what they're doing is that they're making a foray into sports media and they're broadcasting content and they wanted to partner with belly up sports so you can check out the live not the live show but it's gonna be a, a pre-recorded episode this episode this episode Coach Reinbold, is actually gonna be the first one at Saturday morning at ten AM so check it out on Tiki Live. Just go to tikilive.com. go ahead and sign up there and you can watch our belly up content every single day. Lots more content coming in twenty twenty two. I'm looking forward to bringing in some pretty cool stuff, both on the podcast side and on the video side. So once again, I want to thank you for listening to episode 58 of No Credentials Required. Go ahead and go to our social media pages on Twitter and Instagram, bellyupncr, facebook.com forward slash bellyupsportsncr, YouTube. Just search No Credentials Required and hit subscribe and hit notifications. Also, if you want to support the show, go to our Bonfire store, bonfire.com, search No Credentials Required we got some pretty cool t-shirts up there. We've also got a fundraiser for No Shave November to uh, to fund cancer research. So go to our store at bonfire.com. Buy a t-shirt. Support the show. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Brian McCarthy. You've been listening to No Credentials Required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Music courtesy of Joseph McDade. Check him out on Supporters Music at patreon.com forward slash Joseph McDade. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe on multiple podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. No credentials required as a belly up Sports Podcast Network production in association with Godzilla Media.